0: You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. Hey everyone, Micah here. And on today's episode, I got the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Madeline Manning-Mims. She's an American runner, Olympian, a 10-time national champ. She's record holder for so many records in America. And she's also the founder and president of the State Council for Sports Chaplaincy. She's still going to the Olympics today and praying and supporting the athletes there. We also get into how she got connected with FCF. And it's just an amazing episode. It was awesome to sit down and just listen to the stories about her life and how she got involved with everything. We also do want to let you know that there is some background noise in this episode. So if you can overlook that, um, I'm sure you will really enjoy the episode. And we really thank you for listening. So please enjoy. So yeah, let's just start at the beginning. Let's start at w- the beginning. The huh? start. Yeah. W-
1: in the beginning, God created. <laughs> <laughs> that far back, or are you talking about a little closer? Sure,
0: a little closer. Uh, how did you basically start with the in the Olympics? Like, was that your dream from the very beginning to be an Olympian, or?
1: I don't think anyone uh, actually dreams to be an Olympian until you know something about it. And I didn't know anything about the Olympics until I was about, I think, 12 years old. I heard of a young black lady who ran for the United States, and her name was Wilma Rudolph. And she had done something spectacular. You know. And all I could equate that to is that I was beating all the boys in the projects, and maybe I could do that one day, whatever that was. Um, But I didn't become aware even of the Olympic Games until I got into my senior year of high school. Uh, Actually, in my 10th grade, I was discovered through the Presidential Physical Fitness Plan, uh, where all the kids in the United States were being evaluated with other kids in other countries uh, on their physical fitness. And I, I did really well. Um, a young lady came in maybe three weeks after I had set a record <laughs> uh, and broke all my records. And then I thought, hmm. So I went to my gym teacher and I asked her if I could take the test over again. And so she said, yeah, you can take it as many times as you want. So I took the test every day for the next three weeks straight <laughs> and breaking all the records. And... um Finally, she came and said, it's, it's over now. You know, uh, we need to turn this in. And, and so they calculated my scores and found out that not only was I one of the most fit young women in the United States uh, in my school, but also top in the United States. And they said, you need to be into some type of athletics. Wow. So I said, OK, what you got? They said, well, we have basketball, volleyball and track for girls and so I went into all three of them and within a year we were state champions in volleyball track and basketball and actually track had a a different life story for me because um, there was a gentleman from Hungary who was a coach for the Cleveland division of recreation track team and he came out and watching the girls run he saw me running. Um, they asked me to run the 440-yard dash, which is 400 meters now. Mm. And uh, at that time, it seemed a long distance to me. And I thought, I don't want to run that. And I ran the 220, and that like to kill me. <laughs> so now you're trying to kill me twice. Mm. And uh, my coach, who was my gym teacher, came up and said, just jog it. You know, just whoever's out in front, just jog. Don't worry about it. But we can get an extra point and it'll get us closer to the uh, high school championship. So I thought, OK, I can do that. So I got in the race and when they shot the gun off, everybody just took out running. And I'm standing there thinking, I know they're not going to run this race like this.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: I, I I thought, this is too long. You know, why are they... And so then she started hollering at me, you know, get your butt in gear, get out of here. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I took off. And by the time I got around the corner, uh, I had caught everybody. And I'm trying to think, okay, now what do I do? (laughs) Because I was supposed to be jogging this thing. So I I thought they said, you know, well, you got the longest legs, so go out there and run the corners out. I'm like, okay, well... Uh, I'll just stretch my legs out, and I look like an ostrich. I was totally overstriding. By the time I got down to the last hundred meters, I I saw the hundred meter line, and I'm thinking, just r- run a hundred meter dash, you know. And so I take off running. <laughs> I forgot about the other three hundred thirty meters that I had just run, and uh, I won. I broke a school record. Wow. And then I wasn't sure if that was good or not, (laughs) because when you break something in my mom's house, it's not good. (laughs) So when they said, you broke the school record, I thought, uh oh, you know, I've done something wrong. But then the uh, coach was watching me and he saw this girl has no idea what she's doing, but she is. Moving. And he talked to my mom, and we got together and started training together. Thus, my track career just opened up. You know, it was one God had the right people at the right place at the right time to see me. Mm. And um, I don't know in the United States at that time if there were that many uh, clubs that were, you know, sponsored by uh, the city that had coaches, that had, you know, top training. But it happened to be that he happened to be in my city, and and he saw me, and we started working out together. So that's basically how I got into track and field, into athletics. No one is ever born knowing what they, they can do or knowing their gifts or their talents. You just kind of gravitate toward an interest that you have, and later on, you basically find out that that interest happens to be your gift, and that's what happened to me. From the 10th grade, I made the national championships the next year in the girls, and and then I competed in Columbus, Ohio, which was my first time ever being out of Cleveland. Going to there, there changed my life because all of a sudden, I just broke open. First of all, I was the first girl in the world to run 55 seconds flat in the 440-yard dash. And and it was narrowing to the women's time. So then they took me off the girls' team and put me on the women's team. And off we go to Russia, Poland, and West Germany, (laughs) never having been out of little Cleveland. And I mean, I'm like, okay this is totally new to me, I want my mommy, you know, <laughs> this is weird, you know, but there I was running in front of thousands of people in a whole nother country, and, you know, as just a little girl, I think I was like 16 then, 17, um, I, made, I went to Mexico City to the University Games, and I was top in, in the world in the 440-yard dash, And then in my senior year, I went up to, um, uh, it was Canada that I went up to run the 440-yard dash indoors. And while I went to the bathroom, which never do (laughs) when you're competing, (laughs) uh, they changed it and and put in the 800 because all the other girls want to run the 800. Well, I come out the bathroom and I'm thinking we're still running the 440. And they said, um, no, everybody wanted to change. So I was like, who's everybody? I said, well, right. the whole field of girls <laughs> wanted to change. And, and they said, you can either run the eight, 800 meters or you can not run at all. So I ran and called my coach, and he said, oh, just use it as a, as a warm-up. You know, just use it as a workout. You, you, you run 800 in the workouts. So, so I said, okay, being very green, not knowing what he was psyching me into. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, whoever goes out front, just follow them. You know, follow them. and So I thought, okay, that's easy. <laughs> well, the first thing that happened is that when they started, started it off, all the girls went into a V and, and just cl- clashed. I was in the back of everybody watching this, and it scared me. And I ran out right in the front and ended up leading the whole pack. And so I remember slowing down extremely slow to make them pass me. And finally, one girl passed me, a girl from uh, uh, Yugoslavia. And I, I thought, okay, coach said, whoever goes out front, just follow them. So I picked up and I followed her. We're good. You know, it's five and a half laps. We're good for the first three laps. And I'm thinking, hey, I've done over my 400. You know, I could just relax now. And God is so funny how he does things. Because had her coach said in in anything other than English something to her to encourage her to move, I would have never known what he said. But in perfect English, he hollered out and said, leave her. She's getting tired. Mm. And that insulted me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, what do you mean leave me? And I'm like, "Uh, uh no, uh, I don't think so.
0: It's a workout for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, it 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 moves something inside of me because I was a winner mm. and I didn't like the idea of somebody telling somebody to leave me because I was getting tired. I wasn't getting tired. I was just relaxing, you know. <laughs> so I took his advice, and I left her. And I went around the, the next um, lap, you know, and, and people started hollering and jumping up and screaming for me. And that was the first time that had ever happened. And I thought, yeah, okay, this is cool. And, and forgetting about what I'm running altogether. together. Going through the next, long story, made sure I go, I finish like 150 meters over everybody. Wow. And it come through it, putting on my clothes and taking off my, my uh, spikes. And this guy comes over with the microphone and he said, uh, excuse me, but who are you? And I said, I'm Madeline Manning. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. And um, I came here to run the 440-yard dash and I went to the bathroom and I came back out and they said that they weren't going to, they changed it on me. So I ended up running the 800. He said, you mean to tell me you have never run an 800 before? I said, no, except for in practice. <laughs> and he said, "That is a, ladies and gentlemen, did you hear it? And I'm, I'm thinking, what, who is he talking to? Because nobody's around us. I don't see anyone. And I, I said, finally, sir, who are you talking to? and about that time before he could say anything they started addressing ladies and gentlemen in the women's 800 meters and they started with eighth place seventh place sixth place And then, oh, okay so i knew i was first place but i didn't know what i had done mm-hmm. you know so i'm sitting there waiting to hear uh what what i ran and and finally he gets in and we have um a young lady who is from cleveland ohio in the united states and she is a high school girl that just broke the women's world record in two twelve two, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and I jumped all over the guy, and he said, "You didn't know i said, "No." he said, people." She didn't even know she you know he's going on with this <laughs> and I'm looking at him strange trying, still trying to figure this guy something wrong with him because there's nobody here on this floor but him and I and he's talking mm. and I said I'm sorry but who are you talking to and he said oh I'm sorry look straight up there you know way in the back there's a camera on you right now <laughs> that is taping you all throughout of Canada and I, he's, I was like, oh my gosh. And I grabbed my stuff and put it under my armpits and ran. And by that time, all the click, 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 all the cameras were gone. And they caught me in this Montreal first um, page of the newspaper with me running with stuff under my arms. And it says, who is she? And it says, she's Madeline Manning young lady who just broke the world record. <laughs> you know?
0: And you were how old at this time? Like
1: I was uh, 17, going on 18. Wow. Yeah, it was my senior year in That's high school. so awesome. So then, you know, then I learned something about the Olympics. I didn't still know what they were, but it interested me, like, well, maybe I could do that, you know. <laughs> I still had no I I had no clue what was ahead of me Um, and uh, from that I got a scholarship to Tennessee State University where the famous Tiger Bells were and um, well where Wilma Rudolph had run the lady that I had heard about and finally met her Uh, she came to the school to talk to all of us and we had um, eight people on our team all of us were national champions and uh ended up that all eight of us ended up going to the olympic games in 68 as a sophomore my i was in my sophomore year
0: so tell us about that like you're a sophomore and these are your like what was it like being out there during the opening ceremonies what what was the experience like?
1: oh my gosh oh first of all the whole experience of an Olympiad is like something you will never experience in your lifetime, unless you just go and be a part of it. But to actually be in the games, on the team, you know, and representing your country, it's humongous. It's mind blowing. Um, I remember when we first marched out there, when we got to the, the, Mouth of the entrance into the stadium before we marched in as the United States team. We could hear them calling the different names. And as we got closer, you know, we started getting sweating in our hands. and was like, oh, my goodness, you know. And then all of a sudden you hear the drums rolling and you hear people hollering because they can see the flag hanging standing up so they know who's about to come in. And it says, you know... Ladies, the United States of America, and you hear this, ah! I mean, it's really loud. Everybody's screaming. Hmm. And, and you walk in there, and you're just like, oh, my goodness, there's so many people here. There's so much going on, you know. And I, I just, um, it was like being in a different world. The Olympic Games itself is a utopia. It's like something... Out of the world that just sat down in into the earth. Because it's so different. You have all of these different people from all over the world there. Some of the greatest athletes in the world. And that in 1968, which was my first Olympiad, that had some of the greatest athletes who ever lived. It had not been at that great since Jesse Owens in 1936. Wow. In fact, Jesse Owens came to that games and spoke to us. And I had a chance to to meet him. He was from my hometown, so I knew all about him. But when they introduced me to him, he said, Oh, I know who this is, you know. And I I was like, Okay, yeah, he's being nice, you know. And then he said, You went to John Hay High School, right? And he said, I went to East Tech. And I said, Well, oh, I'm thinking like I know how where you went. <laughs> and and um He talked to me, you know, and I thought, this guy really does know me. And then he looked at me and he said, you know what? You're ready. You're ready to go out there and get that goal. Now, go out there and do it. Just go out there and get the goal. And I'm looking, I'm like bug-eyed. I was like, yes, sir, you know, (laughs) okay. And I commenced to do that. You know, it's amazing how God puts certain people in your life at certain times that gives you that impetus to reach down and do what you're afraid that you may never do. Mm. And that was one of the, the pushing points. Wilma was first. She always encouraged us and encouraged me. She talked to me personally and then meeting Jesse Owens. Was just, I mean, it was something that I needed to hear at the time that I'm in the Olympic Games, getting ready to compete soon, and having this man who the whole world is looking at, <laughs> know me first of all, and then just encourage me to go get the gold. So,
0: that's so awesome. So, how did FCF come into the picture of of all? the backdrop of who you are and yeah. everything you've accomplished, how do you feel FCF came into the picture for that point and your heart got connected?
1: Right. I, uh, I moved to Tulsa in 1978, and I was looking for a church home. Um, I had heard about FCF when it was down on 36th Street, and I thought, okay, I'll go visit it. I get there, there's something like 3,000 people there. I'm like, whoa. So my girlfriend and I are sitting way in the back, way in the back, And because I'm thinking, okay, when they let out, I need to be able to get out of here. So we sat back there, and Pastor Harrison was preaching. I don't know what he was preaching about, because when he, he all of a sudden stopped, in the middle of his preaching, he said, "I'm getting the strangest thought coming to my mind." But okay, I'm just going to say this. It, I, it maybe it, it applies to somebody um, that's here. But I all I see is I see a runner who is who is running, and um, God is calling them to run again. And at that time, I wasn't running, and I'm like. Okay, Lord, you're not getting ready to do this, are you? <laughs> like, I am not going up in front of nobody to tell them nothing, you know. And But I knew the Lord had been dealing with me about running again, and I didn't want to. Hmm. So I'm sitting there, and he's talking. He says, you know, you've run a long time. You've run a long ways, you know, sort of like a marathoner. And I thought, okay, well, that takes me off the hook because I'm not a marathoner. <laughs> And he says, but you're not a marathoner. You just run a long time. And I'm thinking, oh, God, you know, okay, what are you saying? He's, and he says, the Lord wants you to run again. He wants you to run for him. He has an assignment for you. And my my friend is over there looking straight ahead so that she doesn't have to look at me because she knows the Lord is talking straight to me. And I'm like, ugh. So, um, later on, I, I met with him. I met with Buddy and we sat down and I shared it with him. I said, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to do this again. I know what it takes. Um, this would be my fourth Olympiad to make. And it's a lot of hard, hard work. And I'm in a in an area of the country where I don't really know anybody, you know, I've just moved here recently, and I don't see how this is gonna work, I don't have any money, I don't have nothing. So he's listening to me and he says, you know what, I'm just gonna pray that God makes everything really clear for you. And he prayed for me then and he he prayed and said, Father, show us what to do with your servant. And I'm thinking, what do you mean by that? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know you. I don't know this church and who is us, you know? (laughs) And, but that's how I got the chance to get to know him. I got a chance to know, um, Pat and we just kind of grew up together, you know, and, um, they were always very supportive to me. Um, and that's how I got involved and when it was time for me to be ordained as a because I wanted to be a chaplain and I needed to be ordained um, my church, w- which was evangelistic temple at that time, which is spirit life church now um the the pastor he said, "You know, I would recommend that you get ordained by faith Christian fellowship because of its ability to cross." all different denominations in the Protestant ministry. He said, this is Pentecostal holiness. They will want you to go in the direction of just one denomination, and you're too big for that. I was like, huh. huh. So I came back, and I talked to uh, Pastor Buddy, and I, I said, you know, my my pastor is saying that I should be ordained by FCF. He says, no problem. I'll do it myself. <laughs> Was like really, and so he he did he he instructed me he talked with me we sh- we met together, he h- held my vision very close in his heart, and um, and really m- mentored me, um, and soon a- I actually had gone and done some uh, chaplaincy with different teams you know U- world track and field championships university championships that type of thing. And when I came back, they had the ordination going on. I just made it. <laughs> I got off the plane, came straight to the church, you know, and just made it. It was like, okay, Madeline's here. <laughs> so they prayed over me, and it says since 1983, I've been ordained by FCF. Wow. Yeah, so and awesome. they've just kind of watched watched <laughs> me grow and watch things grow in my ministry and the whole thing. Wow.
0: So. I guess I want to just ask, like how has that influenced what you're doing currently? And Mm -hmm. I guess just tell us everything about what you're doing currently. Like what is it like to be in the shoes, Mm -hmm. done the things you've done, but also now to pour into the next generation and, Mm -hmm. and pour into what you feel like, you, you know, helping people, encouraging people, like being, being that person that, you know, Wilma and, and Jesse were for you mm, how, does, right. how does that feel to that?
1: well one, one of the things that I'm very grateful for is to have uh, an organization who keeps me accountable mm. I wanted that overseeing accountability someone that I had to answer to um, there, there weren't many people or organizations out there that could do that in this way um, the the wonderful thing, even with FCF, it, it it sometimes amazes them about the sports chaplaincy ministry because it's very different mm. from everything. But it's not only different here; it's also different in the secular world, with the United States Olympic Committee, with the USA Track and Field. This is all uh, a a new pioneering channel of ministry. It's not different that there hasn't been chaplains out there, but it's different for someone to set up a ministry that is geared toward chaplaincy and toward chaplains. Who, In other words, who's going to pastor the pastors? And that, because I was there myself and needed someone to help me uh, with no direction, uh, theologically, the schools, the universities, Uh, They offered, like, Master of Divinity, but there was nothing sports-specific. And that's the race that God has given me to run, to open that door and open those channels and set up a whole academic program for sport chaplains to be trained. Um, The last eight years of my life, I've been in a, I call it an academic tomb, (laughs) Yes, I had to. Uh, when the Lord said, you're going back to school, I said, I rebuke you, Satan. I, I, <laughs> no, you know, first of all, I I don't like school. I don't like being cooped up anywhere when I, I can be out on the field doing something. You know, I'm used to, it. I'm like, Lord, do you realize that I'm a field person? And uh, this is what I do and what I enjoy. Why do I have to go back to school? You know, plus i'm going to be there with all these young people and they they're into computers and they're you know it's a whole different world i don't want to but guys the thing about god he knows what he's doing <laughs> and no matter how much you fuss and go on he'll set you up and um that's what happened um in uh, actually in 2007 i went back to school and i was working on my master of divinity i got that in 2011 and then I went straight into the D Men because um, they the the School of Theology saw that I already had a plan, that I didn't need to wait three years and try to work through that, that I had already been working this, doing this. So they put they passed me right into the D Men Doctorate of Ministry. And um, I love that. And, and I encourage people who are in the ministry, do not be afraid of academics like I was. <laughs> Don't be afraid because the more knowledge you have, um, the better fit you are. It's like I would never go out and run an 800 without training for it, without hard training, uh, without focusing and bringing all my energies into a line so that I can make myself an expert in that field. And that's what you're doing with your ministry. A lot of people um, in ministry want to feel, well, God's called me and he's going to, do- yeah, God called you there. I hope so. Anyway, there are some people who God did call. They're just out there went instead of being sent <laughs> and, and they're making terrible mistakes. Um, but, even when God calls you, even when he anoints you, even when, I mean, I can look at my whole life and see how God was leading me in this direction for my destiny and my purpose. But if I don't want to pay a cost to be the best that I can be for him in ministry, then I am sliding the Holy Spirit from being able to do as much as he can through me, Um and so when I went, got into school, I realized, you know what? This is interesting because there are things that I did out there that I didn't know they had a name. There, or there, there are people in these books that I'm reading that I work with. You know, in other words, I found out who I was. And I realized that, oh, my gosh, this is who I am in the body of Christ. I found my identity I realize I'm not everything to everybody. I have a specific piece of the pie. I don't try to go out and win the world. You know, now the world through my efforts may be touched, but I'm not, I I have my eye on one specific thing. And that's what going back into school did for me. When I got into the doctorate of ministry at Oral Roberts University, it's, it's, aim is to make you a better minister. It's the aim is not to help you save the world or help you in your ministry. It is to help you become a better minister. And when I started looking at, because when you're doing things for the Lord, you don't ha, you don't take time to reflect. You don't take time to stop and say, you know, let me look at it to see what I'm doing. How how is this affecting and how does this look to other people and what does this feel like? And you know, is this you, Jesus, or is this me? You know, so that's what being in the doctorate program forced me to do is sit down and look at who you are and where you're going, and what God has called you to do, how does that fit into the scheme of things? How does that fit into what God is calling to the, the body of Christ? How does that fit into the kingdom of God in the earth? You're just one little speck, and, and it doesn't take long to get lost unless you're doing the things that God has called you to do. And so I... uh. I really, as I look at um, oh, what the Lord wanted me to do, and in, in my dissertation, um, I was, I, at first I was getting insulted, you know, and offended, and I thought, now nah, that's wrong, you know, <laughs> something's wrong here, uh, because I was being told, your vision is way too big. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't, you will be writing forever if you wanted to write all of this down. And so I was chiseled and and sawed off and sanded down, you know, and it hurt and it was uncomfortable. And I was thinking, I don't know if I want to do this, you know, but yet there was a passion in my heart to prepare a way for sport chaplains in America. And so I had to bring it down from Working as a chaplain with the grassroots high school, college, um, and, and Olympic and professional levels to just the Olympic level. And one of my professors said to me, he said, Madeline, if you needed to choose, which one would you choose? And, and he said, let me help you with that question. You are an Olympian. You have experienced the Olympic experience. It's a lived experience with you. You know all about this is second language to you. This is your family, everything. So why aren't you centering centering your focus in on the Olympic level? And that's the chiseling that happened, and I thought, okay, he said, you can do all these other things later, but let's get you... to be an expert in one field. He said, when you ran the 800, did you run all lanes? Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I didn't. I ran in my lane and I ran my race and I did it to the best of my ability. And I trained for it and I ate for it and I stretched for it. I did everything for that one thing and that's why I have the gold. And so he said, that's what I'm talking about. We've got to narrow this down so that you can get your sights on one thing. And so it's amazing what that little dissertation that took so long and so much time and challenged me in so many ways is doing now it's like somebody asked me said now that you've got your doctorate what are you going to do i said it's like that dissertation has its hand in the middle of my back pushing me forward and saying okay this is open this door is open that door is open let's go here let's do this i said the acceleration that has happened in my ministry and in me and the things before me that are set for me to put in operation I said, I'm just, first of all, I'm overwhelmed and I need the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost every day yeah. to refill me again, because I don't know what I'm doing out here with all of this. This is humongous. This is overwhelming. And there are days that some days I still cry, you know, I'm like, God, okay. Uh, can you slow down one minute, <laughs> just, a, just a minute so I can get this down and, um, The Lord said, first of all, first things first, get your prayer warriors in place. So I have a a lady that's precious to me out of Maryland who is the team leader of my intercessors. And they've been praying, and I'm responsible each month to get them information so that they know what is going on. I don't have to go into details. Because intercessors don't need details. They just need, what do you need? Tell me this, tell me that. And they go from there and let the Holy Spirit lead them into the the right type of prayer. And so that's in place. And now I'm working on my my board. I realize for my board to be uh, effective in the area of sports chaplaincy, I need people who are Olympians on that board. That when I go to their national governing bodies, their sports, that I can take them with me and say, okay, this is what we're looking to do. We're looking to, when you make a staff for any team that goes out, that you put on there a chaplain. And a chaplain will be trained to step into that position. Most of the chaplains will come from your own group of people your own Olympians, because God is raising up Olympians who are stirred just as I was to go back into their sport to give in the area of chaplaincy. And so I'm, so, I'm just excited about because because it's, it's opening, it's coming. After all of these years, it's coming forth. Uh, I have had, and this is something I would like to tell people, because especially those who love the Lord and want to do what they're called to do, there is a cost that you have to pay. Hmm. I didn't become a gold medalist because I wanted to. I had to get my rear end out there every day and train. And the same happens for me in, in ministry. This is now my 39th year of serving as a chaplain, you know, because I, I started once, actually I started on the team, because God I didn't tell me that he had me in school on the team, but, you know, while I was on the team, many of my teammates would come to me all different times of day and ask me, you know, can you help me with this, or I'm in trouble for that, or what does the Bible say about this, or... Do you know about, you know, and, and all of a sudden I realized now that I look back that I was counseling. I was in constant counseling. I was constantly praying. I had, I did prayer meetings. I did, did Bible studies I, because I sing and every the kids always wanted me, can you come and sing for us, sing us something? You know, they just want to, we need to calm down. We're so nervous. And, and, and so the Lord was using all of my talents while I was on the team. And once I got out, and I was on the field for a while ministering all around the world, then I saw the need also um, for uh, chaplains to be present with the with the athletes, and so it's been, gosh, since 1984 that I have actually been an official chaplain. The official Olympic chaplaincy started in '88, mm. and uh, but I was working behind scenes before that. Um, it's it's been a long journey, and see, a lot of people just want the end result. And first of all, you'd be a spoiled brat if God let you do that. Mm. You think you think, oh, Lord's blessing me. I got this. I got that. It's not about what you have, you know. It's what you give. And that he blesses. So I I am just excited about my life. Now here I'm almost 70 years old. And I I think about, it's, it's like the Lord has turned the timetables around for me. I, I'm doing things that people do in their 30s and 40s maybe. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm in a mentoring season. I'm mentoring a lot of young women and a few young men. In the area of sports, I've got this whole huge, uh, it's called the United States Council for Sports Chaplaincy, USCSC. Uh, This humongous assignment to raise up this academic program, and God has given me some of the best people in the United States to work with me on that. And and that's one of the things I love about the Lord. He wants the best. He wants the best. And and so I'm bringing to the United States Olympic Committee the best chaplaincy ever, ever in, in the area of sports. So I don't know what else to tell you, <laughs> but I'm excited about my life. I'm excited about this going forth. I'm getting ready now to go over to London for the World Track and Field Championships awesome. in August. Yeah. I'm going to Sacramento first because they have the championships for um, qualifying. And there's going to be a lot of new kids on, you know, trying to qualify for this team. So I don't want to be a a stranger to them when they get over to London. So I'm going there this month. And um, that's always exciting because I like track and field because I don't get to see a track and field uh, competition unless I'm serving, you know, somewhere. Um, but it's, it's amazing and it's exciting to just know who you are in the Lord, your destiny and that you're fulfilling it, your purpose for being born. I mean, I can now look back and see I was born for this, you know, and, and realize how God just nicely put the the years together for me was, uh, not without some hard, dark times. Um, but he brought me through.
0: Yeah, I feel like I could just listen to you talk <laughs> <laughs> all day. Like you just, you just emanate that winner. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> I want just teach me. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I guess we can stop here. But I, I guess have I for like one my last question is just, what would you say to somebody because you said that earlier in the conversation of. I was born a winner. I'm a winner. Like that insulted me. when that person was like, no, Mm. I'm a winner. So, and there may be a lot of people that don't feel that way or have that, you know, even within our own network or ministry or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. what do you feel like is, are the qualities or the mindset of a winner? Like as someone who is doing, it feels that way, you know, from the get go, like, what would you, what would you encourage to someone else or anyone out there?
1: Well, first things first, you've got to know God. You have to have a relationship with God that makes you feel worthy. If, if you go around feeling like uh, you've got to be like everybody else, you don't know your uniqueness yet that God birthed you and created you to be uniquely you. There's nobody else on the face of this earth before or after you mm-hmm. that will be you. And because of that, he has something specific that only you can do. And until you realize that you'll you'll feel, I mean, because there're going to be fears, there there're going to be challenges in life, there're going to be um, hard times, dark times. Actually, I'm going to write a book, and I hear myself saying this. <laughs> I'm going to write a book called The Dark Side of Love. Wow. Because what we don't recognize is that what Jesus did for us on that cross was a dark, dark moment for him. It was the, the separation between he and his father that was darkness in his soul where he cried out is there another way you can do this you know the it and and we as christians we we think that sometimes we're just supposed to go flying through here and everything's everything no 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 that's not gonna happen that's not life that's fantasy and if we lock ourselves into relationship with father god And with Jesus, our Savior, and his Holy Spirit uh, working in and through us and to us, um, we can do a lot. We can do a lot more than we think. That's that's the thing that I find the Holy Spirit does. He takes us into a place that we never thought we'd go. Mm -hmm. He manages the, the road even though it's rough and we're frightened. He takes us through it. And when we come out, we come out so much stronger and so much more confident. I told some kids uh, just recently, you know, they always run up, you know, I wanna be an Olympic star just like you. I wanna be. And I said, okay, then do you want, are you willing to crawl in your vomit? And they were like, Mm. ew, (laughs) Mm. that's nasty. I said, yeah, sometimes it gets nasty. I said, there were days that it was so hot, I could barely uh, keep my feet on the, on the track. And I would run so hard that i just puke. I said, those aren't days that we talk about. I mean, yeah. that's just a part of the journey. But that's also a part of life. There are days that you feel like puking. There are days that are so dark that you don't... I, I I'll tell you what, I'll just be honest with you and transparent. There was a time that I can recall being in a fetal state, balled up, begging God to take me home because I didn't feel like I had anything to offer anybody. So, okay. so if I'm not going to have anything to offer anybody, what's the use of being here? just take, I have another home. I know that. So take me home. I begged him. Of course, he said, go to sleep. (laughs) I fell asleep on the floor. Woke up the next morning. The Lord said, all right, go in and take a shower and go to ORU. I was like, ah, don't want to do this. Um, so I, it's so funny because I go incognito, right? Have this hoodie on and this little cap because they know me because I've been on stage speaking, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I do not want anybody knowing. And, and, and just the, how the Lord led me through that. And every time I would turn around, he was confirming, yes, this is where you're supposed to be. Yes, this is what you're supposed to be doing if you don't have that type of relationship where God can pick you up when you're just nothing and you're feeling like you have nothing to offer, then you're kind of lost.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Madeline, it's been a pleasure. Like, honestly, this is, a great day. <laughs> this is a great This interview. is fun. I and could do this all the time. I know, me too. Um, but we, we do have to stop at some point. So. Right. But and
1: you want to call me Dr. Madeline Manning Mims.
0: Dr. Madeline Manning
1: Mims. Right. right. Okay.
0: You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.